Amen, family. How are we feeling? That, that sounded convincing. That was nice, nice. You know, you got, you got guests here. You got visitors, so we got to hold it down, right? <laughs> come, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for <clears throat> the opportunity to always come into your presence. You are an awesome God, Lord. And you're always tugging our hearts. So Lord, I ask that you have your way throughout the service. Anoint me afresh. Touch my mouth so I can speak a word in season specific to this group, specific to this audience, that will not just challenge them, but to change them. Move them towards a path of evangelism. Have a desire to evangelize. Have a desire to share the good news, because that's what it is. It's good. We ask that you have your way. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. So we're talking about evangelism, and I'm excited because evangelism is big on my heart. You know, because you can't tell me God doesn't exist. You know, I've done so much research to understand the whole idea of the concept of this God. You can't tell me that Jesus didn't die for Jamar Bernard. You can't tell me that he rose for Jamar Bernard. You can't tell me that. I, I, I'm prepared to have the conversation. I'm not prepared to argue. I'm not going to argue this. Because yeah, there's something about truth. There's something about truth that it's, it, it becomes its own vindicator. So let's go over a definition for evangelism. Evangelism... It's simply this, a person who seeks to convert others to the Christian faith, especially by public speaking. Now, we all have different gifts. We all have different talents. We all have different ways we, we present this, this, this public speaking. But the fact is, it's still put on a path to convert somebody. People ask me, why do I travel? And I, you know, and I travel, if you notice, I, I travel around the world, speaking, representing Christ and culture. You know, and, and I, I told this story before, I was in Australia, and while I'm in Australia, we're, we're going from school to school, and, and atheism is very big, especially in the school system, and one, one, one person said, why did you come all the way over here from America to, to talk about this Jesus that we don't believe in and this God that we don't believe in? I said, I said, let me ask you a question. What's your favorite dish? You know? What, what is your favorite dish? What's your favorite meal? You know, my wife knows that if, if it all else fails, I love haziti. But there's a way that she cooks it. See, and, 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 and what, what I'm doing here is, is expressing this, this whole idea of the way she cooks it to, to, to whet your appetite. Says, wow, that's good. I want to try it. So the way she cooks it, she starts with a pack of bacon. It's not, a, it's not healthy, so I don't eat it often. But when I eat it, the, the, the ziti is good. So she starts with a pack of bacon, fries it up, right? And then she, she, she strings a little bit of the bacon grease, just a little. And then she takes the ground beef, puts it with the bacon, right? And the grease, and she lets that cook and, and simmer. Mm. Just, just right there. Right? Just, just right there alone. And then she'll add some gravy. I mean, uh, the, 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 the sauce. While she has the, 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 the pasta boiling. You know, add a little sugar. A little, a little sasson. Right? Some adobo. Recaito. Right? She starts mixing it up. And, and the house just, it just smells. 
right? Smells so good. You, and you're looking at the, 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 the stove and, and, okay, how long is this going to take? Then she goes to the oven and she has some nice fresh garlic bread. Yes. Right? See? <laughs> See? Somebody's with me. <laughs> how many of you are going to have ZD this week, right? <laughs> And I like mine's extra cheesy, so she takes the mozzarella, and, I, and I, I participate. I participate in two ways. I help my wife. I cut the cheese for her, and then I eat the food so she doesn't have to worry about putting it away later. <laughs> I'm playing my part. So she puts it in the oven. I mean, she mixes it up, right? The cheese starts melting because everything's still warm, and she's mixing it up, and then she throws it in the oven, and it gets a nice crust on the cheese. So the cheese, is not, it's got a nice brown, and she, oh. Right? See, this is evangelism. <laughs> this is, this is, because what happens is I'm bringing you into my world of this whole thing, this experience I'm having with ZD. See, because it's something that happens when God, you and God enter this relationship that it, it, it's, it's, it becomes to a place where it's so good. You have to share it. Right? It's, it becomes so good that you have to share it. You, you, you. We as Christians, when we don't evangelize, I believe we're being selfish. I believe we're being selfish. How about this? I'll give you another example. <laughs> it's not food, it's not food. <laughs> See, I, give you, I, I, bring, I bring it to another level. Think about a car accident that you just witnessed, right? Somebody you're driving on a highway, next you know, a bad accident. You know, what's your first instinct? I'm going to stop, pull over, right, and help this individual. Help in any way, whether it's calling the cops, going to the car to make sure everybody's okay, Right? Seeing if I need to hurt and try to pull them out. You know, if I know CPR, first aid, I try to minister to first aid and CPR. You go through the process. See, the reason why I bring that idea up is because we tend to look at people who are living a life in a walking car wreck. They're broken. They're wounded. And what we do as Christians, we, 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 we tend to walk by. We tend to observe their life, but we, 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 we become so, so caught up in our own issues and our own ideas, and we just walk by. And how many of us are walking by individuals every day that are in car wrecks, spiritually, emotionally, physically? They are in car wrecks. And, and, and the thing about it is you have the answer. See, it's, it's easy to sow seed in a place that seeds already been sown. You know, the soil's rich. You already know that it went through the process. You know, it, 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 was, it was treated a certain way. So it's easy. But how many of us are out there sowing seeds in a place that seeds haven't been sown? I know you're not evangelizing if the main group of people that you hang around are all Christians. I got another story, and then we're going to get into the text. There's a man, he had a dream, and, and in his dream, he got a phone call, 
And he traveled a lot. So he was, he was in um, a, a, a foreign country. And his kids happen to be traveling at the same time to another country. And he gets his phone call and he says, look, we'll call him Bob. Bob, your kids are sick. They're deathly ill. If they don't get this treatment within 48 hours, they will die. They'll go beyond the point of no return. So he said, oh, I got a friend in that country right now. It so happened to be. So he calls his friend. We call him James. He says, James, my kids are in the, where you are, the same country you are. I need you to get to them and get a doctor to them so they can be treated. James goes, well, I'm, I'm here in this country because I'm on vacation. I'm relaxing. He says, Bob says, James, no, I, I really need you. He says, okay, I, I'll get to it when I get a chance. But don't forget I'm on vacation. He wakes up. Mind boggled. And he goes back to sleep. Phone rings again. Same story, your kids, sick. They needed medication. He calls James and says, James, I need you. I need my, my, my kids are sick. You're the only one I can get to them. I can't get out of this country right now. I'm stuck. Please, I need you to get to them. James says, okay, I, I, I'm on my way because I, I want to go in that area anyway because there's a car I want to buy. It's a very rare car. I, I, I don't have access to it in the other country, but here. So I want to purchase this car. Can you send me some money? And he says, look, dude, you, 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 you're dealing with my kids. This is my kid's life. He wakes up. He goes back to sleep. Phone rings. He gets a call. He says, Bob, your kids are sick. They need some help. 48 hours. He calls James and says, James, look. My kids are sick. I need you to get to them and take care of it. James says, look, I don't have a lot of money. He said, but I'll do whatever I got to do if you can't send me some money. And Bob sent him whatever he had to help James get to his kids. And the kids were saved. And I say that because most of us fit in one of those three categories. See, God is calling us and saying, look, I got my kids. They're out there sick. My kids are, are, are hurting. They got 48 hours. They're, right before they get to the point of no return, I need you to go to them. And you're like, Lord, I'm on vacation. Lord, I, 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 I'll get there when I get there. Lord, I, I, when I get a chance, I'll make my way. Or some of us are, are, are the individuals, because I've been there before. I've been at that place where, 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 where things are comfortable. I'm tired. I'm relaxing. And Lord's like, get off your backside. There's people out there hurting. My children are hurting. And then some of us are like the other individual, I mean, the second James, where he says, Lord, I have the cares of this world. 
send me money, meet my needs, and I'll go take care of your children. I'll meet your children, but I want this car. I want this house. I want this lifestyle. I'll take care of your children, but this is what I want. But what God wants us to get to a place where where, we're that third person, that third James, where he says, I need you to go. And you say, okay, whatever it takes. Because he understands that there's a sense of urgency in the lives of so many individuals. I've seen people come and go. I've seen death come and go. I've seen individuals, and I said, man, what could I have done to plant that seed in that individual's life to help bring change? Was I lazy? Was I on vacation? Was I worried about the kids of this world? Or was I really about my father's business? Was I really uh, uh, about, you see, because we, we as humans, we get comfortable. And anytime God asks us to do something out of our comfort zone, there's resistance. Let's go to Mark. Chapter 4. See, if we don't have a sense of urgency, we're going to be careless. And the sad thing about it is we are our brother's keeper. We are our sister's keeper. There's this book out there called Unapologetic Christianity, Bold Living in a Chaotic World. You might have heard of it. Excellent, excellent author. (laughs) And in that book, the author talks about... (laughs) The author talks about different ways that the early church responded to the needs of the individual. They went after these individuals. They did the stuff that the government didn't want to do. They took in the widowed, the sick, the broken. They did so much so well that people were excited about becoming Christians. Remember when I talked about the story about my wife's food? When you come in the house and she's cooking, it just, it just smells good. It makes your mouth water. It looks good. Some people are, are, are older. Let me change that. Let me change that. Some Christians are an older. And some Christians are a fragrance. Some Christians, you, you go, you, pe- people look at them like, uh-uh. Especially those super deep Christians. Those hellfire and brimstone Christians. Everything's a sin. Or are you a fragrance? Wow. There's something about you. I want what you have. It's looking good. And then Mark, he, he, and, and, and the thing about it is sometimes we get lost. We, 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 we forget our role. We forget our place as, as an evangelist. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Then Jesus said, God's kingdom is like a seed thrown on a field by a man, then goes to bed and forgets about it. The seed supports and grows, I mean, uh, sprouts and grows. He has no idea how it happens. The earth does it all without his help. First a a green stem of grass, then a bud, then the ripened grain. When the grain is fully formed, he reaps at harvest time. See, this parable makes makes it plain for us. 
The farmer is the evangelist. He sows a seed and then something happens. In that soil, that is a divine mystery to him. The next thing he knows, there's a harvest. What happens in between is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think where the church has really failed is at the place of doing, trying to do the Holy Spirit's work. Especially the old school church. They'll beat Christ into you. Like they make you feel so guilty. But how do you push somebody to feel so guilty? That to me is condemnation. Not conviction. This is a totally different thing. He said the Holy Spirit will con- convict, not condemn. Right. Even Jesus said, he said, even I don't condemn. Right. But we are quick to condemn. Look how she's dressed. Look at how he's dressed. Look at how he's wearing. Homeboy smell like he just came from the club. What, isn't the church the best place to come to? Right. Even if they just came from the club? But we condemn. So he says, he says, look, your job is to be the messenger. Your job is not to, to convict. Your job is not to, to, to point out the flaws. Your job is to be the messenger. What's the message? God loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. He's on the side of, Jesus, of God speaking on your behalf, petitioning for you. The message is not, look how you, you come to church. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. City neighbor said, neighbor, neighbor. I'm, the I'm the messenger, but the power is in the message. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and I wrestled with this, this text, and I know I, was, I said I was going to talk about, you know, the difference between witness and evangelism, uh, evangelist, and, and I'm, I'm still wrestling with this, so I didn't want to preach it, but this, message, this portion of the scripture really speaks to what I'm talking about today. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. When will you receive power? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So there's a role that's played by the Holy Spirit. And never assume the role of the Holy Spirit. See, the neighbor said, neighbor, neighbor. We, as we as Christians must never assume, must never assume the, role the role of the Holy Spirit. And I wrote this down, I, I wanna read it because I don't wanna make any mistakes. The work of the Holy Spirit is powerful and allows the seed to grow. The work of the Holy Spirit is powerful and allows the seeds to grow. What allows the seeds to grow? The work of the Holy Spirit. The growth of the seed does not depend on the sower. The growth of the seed does not depend on the sower. The Holy Spirit is the power of the gospel. The Holy Spirit is the power of the gospel, not the sale, not the the sowing of the sower. In other words, John MacArthur said it like this, the power comes through the message, not the messenger. 
I'll say it again. The power comes through the message and not the messenger. Therefore, your personal charm cannot lead anyone to Christ. So we are the evangelists. We are, are the messengers. We are the tools that are being used by God, filled with the Holy Spirit. But the power is in the message. If you don't have the right message, you won't have the right conversion. And too many Christians do not have the right message. Your ability to articulate your why is the most important thing within your Christianity. Well, okay, when you're evangelizing, your ability to say your why is the most important thing while you're evangelizing. Because if I come to you and say, why are you a Christian? You have 60 seconds to convince me that's worth continuing the conversation. And there's a lot of people that are seeking, they're yearning, looking for a way out, an escape. And you might have the answer, but the problem is you might not be able to articulate it correctly. So I, I got three points. I had 10. <laughs> so I got three, three points, and we're going to go through them real quick. So how to become an effective evangelist? Number one, sow freely. Sow freely. In the same chapter, early, early in the scripture, it says the soul was sown everywhere. Basically, you just sown wherever, wherever the seed landed. It's landed on, 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 on shallow ground. It landed on, on, on the thorns. It landed on, on good ground. He, he just was sowing. Whatever took, took. We have to sow freely. We have to be willing just to, God is good. Let me tell you why God is good. Let me tell you why I believe this Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why I go to church every Sunday. Let me tell you why I embrace this God. Not because my parents had a relationship with God, but I have this personal relationship with God. Let me tell you why. Number two. So urgently, so urgently, you have to understand this is an urgent matter. For some, this is life or death. For some, this is life or death. So urgently, be quick about your father's business. That's what I love in the, in the Old Testament. He said, who, who shall I send? Who shall I send? And my answer is, send me, Lord, I'll go. So urgently. You should have the same urgency for God's children, whether you know them personally or not. So number one, so freely. Number two, so urgently. And number three, so obediently. So obediently. Sometimes we find ourselves where God tells you to go and share a word. You know that you know that you know God told you to do this. And how often, for whatever reason, you hesitate. Well, for whatever reason, you, you disobey him. And you try to justify it in your mind. Oh, they, 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 there'll be another Christian. No, he wanted you. 
to do it. Oh, they go to church, that's the pastor handling. No, they wanted, he, God wanted you to do it. Because you had what it takes. You had the story. You had the scenario. You had the testimony. You had whatever it was that God can use to minister to somebody. Your testimony is significant to you, but it can be relatable to somebody else. I'll say it again. Your testimony is significant to you, but it can be relatable to somebody else. When you're dealing with individuals, especially, you know, uh, Minister Aaron can really speak on this for, on, on, on a, a, a psychological aspect. You know, when, when people are, feel like they're alone, they, that, that's when they're in a very bad place. And when you start sharing your testimony, it's like a connection. Wow, that happened to you too? Wow, God did this. T- tell me more about this, this, this saving power of the God you serve. Tell me more about, about, about how God freed you from this situation. Tell me more. But if you don't share it, they won't know. And they'll sit there feeling alone. And then when they're alone, the pressure starts coming on. So number one, so freely. Number two, so urgently. Number three, so obediently. Stop operating out of convenience. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Stop, operating Stop operating out of convenience. Out of convenience. Find your other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. Other neighbor. <laughs> Come on, talk, talk to them. You got to talk to each other here. <laughs> Tell them, say, say, other neighbor. Stop, Stop. Operating, operating out of convenience. Find a new neighbor. Say, ne- new neighbor. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Say, new neighbor. Evangelism, nine out of the 10 times, is not convenient. So number one is, come on, talk back to me. Number one is, so number two is, so and number three is. So and this is key. So I got a lot of allergies. I used to, it's not, it's not that bad anymore. Me and my household, we, we all, we're allergic to something. You know, my son, uh, Jamal, is the, what we call the boy in the bubble. Peanut allergies. Nutella, if Nutella's on the counter, he can't even touch it. We walk around with EpiPen. I sometimes, like, want to see how it works. <laughs> Come on, I'm a man. There's something that sticks you, uh, that, 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 you know, with EpiPen. It's like, you know, but um, just pray for me. <laughs> so we're in the doctor's office, and, you know, we're having a conversation. She is joking around. I, I tease my son, you know, especially when he was getting a test. It was hurting. You know, I said, oh, you're a baby, you know, you're crying, and you're crying over there and stuff like that. And then I get there, she starts testing me. I was like, ah. <laughs> and he looked at me like, mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> uh, then I tried to man up, but there was one spot. She just hit me right here. Just, like, I was about to grab the, doc- the doctor's hand. 
<laughs> but um, we're in, 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 the, in the doctor's office, and you know, we have conversations. She said, oh, what do, you guys, what do you guys do? I said, well, my wife, you know, is an executive assistant, and, and I am a, a pastor. She said, oh, for real? She said, you know, tell me about the church, because she grew up Catholic, so we just started having a conversation about the church, talking about God and stuff like that. You know, this was the first couple of visits. Now, you know, a month and a half later, two months later, she comes to my wife. And she's almost in tears. And she says, please, I need you to pray for my husband. And my wife, you know, I'm not going to tell the, the, the story, you know, uh, uh, client-patient privileges. <laughs> but she came not just with a desire to pray, but there was something that happened in our interaction with me professing the God I serve with some excitement, with some energy, with, 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 with not, not saying, oh, you know, I'm just a pastor, Christian. No, I'm a pastor, Christian, non-denomination, you know. And, you know, because I, I, you know, I said, I, and I know you're a doctor. I said, you want to have a conversation about God exists or not? You because know, most, most, most doctors, they teeter between the two. You know, science, you know, it runs everything. And then you got the Christian doctors that, okay, no, we, we believe in the balance of, of science and, and Christianity. So I wasn't sure where she was going with this, but I was ready for the conversation. And she said, no, I go to Catholic church. She said, what's the difference? So I, said, I, I started telling her the difference. You know, I said, but the, the, the mere fact is Jesus, right? Jesus rose, died for me, for you. And I said, God is still on the throne. God is in control. And he has a, a, a plan to make things better. Right? As simple as possible. That was my conversation with her. Nothing deep, nothing profound. And all of a sudden, a month and a half or two months later, she's having a conversation with my wife, not just because to pray, but she understood the power. Yes. See, because she wouldn't come confidently asking for us to pray if she didn't know the one we were praying to and the power that he was walking in. So she came and said, pray for me. Because there's an understanding of the power of the God we serve that led her to ask us to pray for her. You never know what you are doing, what kind of seeds you are planting. Because I didn't do anything after that. Something clicked in her mind. The Holy Spirit had to do something to reveal the power of the God we serve. I did not say anything else except for he's in control and he has a plan. But something happened to her. I sowed the seed. But the Holy Spirit was at work behind the scenes. Touching her in, in a certain way that softened her heart. To say, pray for me. Because in that request, there was a confidence in the power of the God we serve. We prayed, and we prayed, and things started changing in her situation. And now, her and my wife are like buddies, all because I was not afraid to express about the God we serve. My question is for you. How many of you know somebody that needs what you have? 
How many of you know somebody that not just needs what you have, but desperately needs what you have? And how many of you have created a plan to help them receive what you have? Because if you don't have anybody in your circle, outside circle, whatever circle it is that needs what you have, then it's something you're not doing right. Too many Christians get caught up like, oh, I got to have Christian friends. I, I, I can agree with that but so much. It depends on how your faith is. depending on how your relationship with God is. If it's weak, then yeah, you might want to surround yourself with Christian friends because, you know, there's some building and maturing you have to do. But when you start maturing, you need to start making some changes. These people are saved. Okay, let me, let me find somebody else that's not saved. Because you believe what you have is so good, you can't keep to yourself. Let's close our Bibles. Let's stand. I used to grow up thinking that I didn't have a testimony. You know, I, I'm in circles with different pastors, and, and you know, you got this person being delivered from, from being uh, sex trafficked. You know, she, now she's out there ministering. You got, you got this person uh, being delivered from drugs, and now they're out there ministering. You got this person being delivered from alcohol, and they're out there ministering. I said, okay, Lord, what's my testimony? He said, I kept you. Because of that, there's this power of God I've seen. And I thank God that I don't have an addictive spirit. I thank God that I'm not out there running around and, and my past is trying to catch up to me. Because he kept me. What is your testimony that you need to share? I challenge you to go home today, throughout this week, and craft your testimony. It's not superficial. You know, people say, oh, I want to get the leading of the Lord when I have a conversation. Yeah. But you need to give God something to work with. That's like somebody saying, Lord, help me, help me pass this test, but are you giving him something to work with? Did you study? If you don't have the knowledge, it doesn't matter how much help you want to get from God. He's going to help you remember what? Give something that the Holy Spirit can work with. And I'm telling you, you're going to see doors open in your life where he's going to give you opportunities to evangelize. If we all evangelize to one person for the rest of this year, and I've said it before, we will double in size. See, but I'm not worried about filling the doors here. I'm just worried about filling the doors in the church. And somebody says, oh, Pastor Jamal, why are you worried about numbers? I said, it's always a numbers game. I don't care what you say. I'm, you know, some people say, oh, if, if, if God gives us one, uh, you know, we'd be excited. If God gives us No, I want more. I set my expectation for God to move. And the reason why I'm about the numbers is because the less numbers that are right here, the more numbers that are out there. So what are we doing 
challenge you today. See, I'm about to be, I'm, I'm gonna be about my father's business. I challenge you today, say, Lord, take me out of my comfort zone. Take me out of my comfort zone. Lord, I don't, I don't wanna be, I don't, I don't want evangelism to always be convenient. Because it's gonna challenge you to know what you're talking about. God is good. And we say that. But why don't we share that goodness? Let us pray. If I minister to you today, while every head is bowed, and you don't have a relationship with God, and it's something that was said, something that was sung, something that was even played on the piano that struck a chord in your heart, I want you to raise your hand and say, Lord, I want to be a part of that crew. I want to be a part of that kingdom. Raise your hand. Say, 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 say Lord, what, what struck my chord today, I, I, not only do I want to be a part of the kingdom, I want to, to represent you. Like Minister Aaron said, as Christ's ambassadors, reconciling the world to you. Use me, Lord. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand bold. Like, I, I want to be used by you, Lord. Take me out of my comfort zone. I want to pray for you. While every head is bowed, Lord, I pray for these individuals that raise their hand. Individuals that, that, that might not know you and say, Lord, I, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know you in a better way. I heard about this God, but I want to experience this God. I pray that I actually just touch them in their heart. Bless them in their minds. Prepare them to walk this relationship with you in a mighty way. And Lord, for those who raise their hands, say, I want to be bolder. Embolden me about sharing the gospel. I pray for them that you give them a sense of urgency. Give them a desire to sow freely. And Lord, I pray that you will give them a sense of obedience. So when you say go, they go. When you say speak, they will speak. But Lord, help them craft a, a message that will sit at the tip of their tongue ready to be used by you. So I pray and ask that you just anoint these individuals afresh. Give them an excitement. Give them a, an, an energy to move and be about your business so that you will be glorified, so that the heavens will be full because CCC was evangelizing. So we surrender who we are to you to be used by you however you see fit. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. I pray that you got something out of it. What are the three things we need to uh, do to be effective evangelists? We need to sow, sow, and sow. Amen, amen for the 20 people that got it. <laughs> Some people are trying to go back to their notes. Come on. Say it like we mean it. This Bible, this Bible is our primary source of faith. I said, say it like we mean it. We got guests here, people. Yeah. This, Bible this Bible is our primary source of faith. Source of faith. This, Bible this Bible is our rule of conduct. Rule of conduct. This, Bible this Bible creates the lens, creates the lens that, we see life through. that we see life through. As we leave this place for never God's presence, 
Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Stay cool.